hearts. Hey, there we go. How's everybody doing? Yeah, good. Man, there are a lot of new faces out there, which is super exciting, but that probably also means that I need to introduce myself. Uh, if we've not met before, my name is Davis. I am on staff here at Veritas. Thank you. Somebody's excited I'm here. <laughs> oh, no, please stop. I belong here. So do you. <laughs> um, but I say that I've been on staff here for five years, um, or that I've, <laughs> sorry, I'm on staff here, and I realized the other day that that has been for almost five years now, which might not be that crazy to you if you don't know me, but uh, that's really crazy to me because like this, being up here talking to you guys on staff at a church is like not at all how I planned for my life to go. I came to Mizzou from Indiana with two plans. The first was to follow a girl, which I'm not giving as like life advice. Uh, that usually doesn't work out, uh, but thankfully that went according to plan. That's why I have a ring on. Um, and we got married, her name's Emily, she's wonderful. Um, but my other plan was to become a journalist. And that plan lasted about as long as one J school class because I started and I was like, oh, this is what I'm signing up for. And so by sophomore year, I had changed my major. And then a week later, I had changed my major again. And then junior year, I changed my major one more time and I ended up in Stratcom, which uh, is like journalism if you wanna actually make a living for yourself. Um, it's where you go to make the money. It's the only way you can do it. It's a dying industry. Um, but I ended up in Stratcom and I was loving it. I was gonna go be a writer in an ad agency, which was awesome until I took an internship as a writer at an ad agency and realized, man, I kinda hate this too. Like, this is not what I wanna be doing. And so there I am going into my senior year with like no plan. I don't know if any of you are seniors. I hope you have a better direction than I did at the time. Uh, but it wasn't until I had a friend come to me my senior year who said, hey, this is maybe totally out of the blue, but I've noticed something about you. And that's that you are most alive, you are most excited, you're most happy when you're doing ministry when you're talking to people about Jesus, when you're leading a high school small group, when you're in Japan doing a mission trip over the summer. And that was like flooring to me because like I liked Jesus. I came in to college and I got involved at Veritas and I was following Jesus, but like I wouldn't say it was part of like my identity. And so I prayed on it for a really long time and I realized like, man, I think this person's right. Like I think that I wanna do ministry. And so I came to Kyle, who's a co-director here, and I was like, any chance you have a job for me? And thankfully, he was like, yeah, we could probably find you one of those. So then, the hard part, because Emily was a year older than me, she had already moved back to Indiana, and she had a job there, uh, she was looking for an apartment for us, and so I came to her and was like, what if instead you move back to Columbia, a place that you've told me you don't want to live at all, and instead of making ad agency money, I make college ministry money. And we live here and we do this. And so that was like not at all our plans for life. But it ended up being so much better than we had imagined. It was stressful in the moment, but it actually ended up being better for us because now we're here and we love it. We love this place. We love this city. We love this church. We love our friends. She loves her job at Veterans United and like getting to do this with you guys is like one of the greatest joys of my life. I love it here. So nothing in my life, as far as college went at least, went according to plan, but that was actually for the better. 
And so I think you know, maybe you can't relate to uh, being a journalism student and changing your major a bunch and then ending up in ministry, but you can relate to having plans in your life. Like even if you're not the five-year plan kind of person, I guarantee you have plans for your life. Maybe they're just as simple as like, I wanna be comfortable. I bet some of you wanna have a job that you don't hate as much as I hated journalism. I bet some of you want to end up in a relationship or you have an athletic career that you hope, you know, at least ends and uh, goes all the way through college, but maybe you hope that that turns into a career someday. You know, at the very least, I think that you wanna be happy. I think that you wanna have friends. I think we have all sorts of hopes and plans for life. But I think you can probably also relate to me in knowing that like life does not always go according to plan. There are plenty of things in life that don't turn out the way that we had hoped. And sometimes that's really devastating. But sometimes that's actually for the better. And so if you don't know, we are studying the gospel of Mark all semester here at Veritas. And tonight we're gonna look at two stories. We're gonna look at stories of people whose lives are not going the way that they had hoped. And so they take those plans that have fallen apart to Jesus and they say, can you help? Jesus, can you help get our lives back on track? And spoiler alert, just to know where we're going, we're gonna find that Jesus gives them even more than they can imagine when they take those plans to him. So let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, Mark 5, verse 21. It says, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of a synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet when Jairus saw Jesus and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And so it's kind of an interesting scene we have here because uh, for the first part, we get Jairus' name, which was not typical. Mark did not give us many names in his gospel, but I think Mark wanted us to know who Jairus was because Jairus, Jairus was a religious leader. And back then, that was a position that had a lot of status. It came with some wealth. At the very least, he was a guy that people knew about, that they respected. And so Jairus is a religious leader, which means that he's powerful, but it also means that he probably has a lot of ideas about who Jesus is. The religious leaders did. They saw that Jesus was going around healing people, that he was casting out demons, that he was forgiving sins, and they weren't fans. They were either skeptical that Jesus was who he said he was, or they were angry at all of the things that he was doing that were taking power and attention away from them. But Jairus' reaction is way different than that. Jairus falls at Jesus' feet. Why? Well, because he's desperate. Because his daughter is dying and no status or title or wealth is going to save her. And so he brings these plans that have fallen apart in his life, that are unraveling right in front of him. And he brings them to Jesus and says, can you please help can you help me? Can you help my daughter? Can you help us get back to what we want in life? And so what do we see Jesus' response is? Continuing in verse 24. And he went with him. Jesus says, yes. And a great crowd thronged about him. So we see Jesus say yes to Jairus. Can you imagine the relief? Jairus' daughter is dying. Everything that he had hoped and planned for her is falling apart right in front of him. And so he takes it to the one person that he thinks can help him. And Jesus is like, yeah, we can do it. Let's go. And so they go. But then there's this big crowd that is swarming around them. And then, out of nowhere, we're introduced to a woman. And she comes to Jesus with the same thing. She is also struggling. Her life is also not going the way that she had hoped. And she brings to Jesus, hoping for help. 
But rather than read the verses, I want to show you a clip. It's from The Chosen. It's a show about Jesus' life and ministry, and I think it does like a really good job of, of showing this scene with the woman. So let's go ahead and watch. Now. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. Whoever touched me, come forward. Teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge, I promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I, I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I, I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and, and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. And I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. And he was right. The blood is ceased. My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. It was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long, we can take her. She is clean. <laughs> you have blessed me today. And I know. My daughter, I know it has been a fight for you for so long. You must be exhausted. Go now in peace. Your faith has made you well. I wish I could stay here longer. But I have business to attend to. 
Someone else has faith like yours. Man, that scene is beautiful. So we have a woman who, like Jairus, comes to Jesus. Her life is not going the way that she had hoped. In fact, it's the opposite. It is in shambles. But unlike Jairus, it wasn't an emergency because this woman had been suffering for a long time. And I can't help but watch that clip and think about you guys because I know that there are some of you out there in a room this size, certainly, there are some of you out there who are going through really hard things, facing things like depression, facing things like crippling anxiety, facing things like self-doubt or even self-hatred or body dysmorphia, facing things like utter loneliness. You are suffering, and, and maybe you have been for a really long time. This woman certainly was. And so she comes to Jesus and says, hey, can you heal me? Can you help me? I, I need you, Jesus. And he graciously says, yes, he heals her instantly. But the woman, after getting what she wants most, has one more thing, because Jesus doesn't leave. Jesus wants even more for her. Jesus wants to look her in the face, and he wants to say, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And Jesus actually says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. Like the healing, the thing that she wanted most, because Jesus knew how much she wanted it. The thing she wanted most, though, was an addition to her finding Jesus. He doesn't say it outright, but what Jesus is communicating here is that he didn't want this woman to come looking for something from him and miss him. It's a bold claim. If we really think about it, it's a bold claim for Jesus to say that after everything this woman has been through, after she gets what she's looking for, for Jesus to be more than that, for him to be better, for him to be more worth it than her getting the thing she wanted, like that's a really bold claim. What is it about Jesus that lets him say that? I don't wanna just give you an answer because I think that's something that's worth wrestling with. It's such a beautiful scene that every time I watch it, I get really sucked into it. And to be honest, I kind of forget about Jairus. Remember Jairus? So we started talking tonight about how we were reminded of Jairus. Well, his servants come and they give him some news. She's dead. Jairus, your daughter's dead. You guys are too late. Can you imagine the thoughts going through Jairus' head? Jesus, why? We were on the way. What are you doing? Jesus, do you not know how badly this is going to hurt me? Do you not know how badly I wanted to help her? Jesus, maybe you're not good in the first place. Maybe you don't actually know what's best for me. And yet, in all of that darkness, in the very middle of that, look at what Jesus says to Jairus. He says, don't be afraid. Just have faith. What? Like, Jesus, what are you talking about, man? She's dead. The time for faith is past. The time for faith is when she was living, when you could still give me what I wanted. Why would I follow you? We were on the way, and then you blew it, and now I am back to despair. The thing that I wanted most in life, I don't have anymore because of you, Jesus. Why would I keep following you? But Jesus says, come on, trust me, just keep following me. It continues, verse 38. 
It says, they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, so that's Jairus' house, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. So Jesus walks into this house where a girl has just died and says, what are we all crying about? She's just sleeping. And their response is to laugh at him. They're like, dude, you are crazy. Do you not see what's happening here? Let's hold on that slide for a second. Um, they say, Jesus, do you not see what's happening here? This girl has died. Our time for faith in you is over. But here's the thing. They were all, everybody in that room, Jairus and all of his servants, they were all missing something. Because Jairus had come to Jesus with a plan. It wasn't a bad plan. He wanted to save his daughter's life. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jairus was so concerned with getting Jesus on board with his plan that he could not see that Jesus' plan was better for him. And so it continues. It says, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. Keeps going. And immediately the girl got up and began walking for she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Jesus' plan for Jairus, for Jairus' daughter, was better than anything Jairus could have imagined for her. Because his plan was not just to get there in time and heal her. His plan was to raise her from the dead. And maybe that doesn't sound better. Like, it might actually have been better for Jesus to just get there in time and save everybody, all of this grief. But it's better because Jairus got way more than he was expecting. Because he got to see who Jesus actually is. He got to see that Jesus is not just a healer. Yeah, I mean, he healed. We see two stories tonight of Jesus healing. That is part of why he came to earth is to heal people. But Jesus' main purpose is not to heal. Jesus' main purpose is to save. Jesus is not just here to solve our problems and to give us what we think we want in life. Jesus was actually here to create a kingdom. Jesus is not just a healer. He is a king. And he came to enact his kingdom, because all of that suffering, that pain, the disappointment we feel, the, the death in the world, all of that is a result of sin. It's a result of us turning from God's goodness and trying to live just however we want. We feel those effects all the time. And Jesus came to die for that sin. Jesus came to take on all of that sin and die on the cross. He took all of the punishment that we deserved for turning away from God and his goodness, and he wiped it away clean so that you and I could be made right with God again. But the story does not end there. The Bible ends when Jesus comes back someday because after Jesus died on the cross, he rose from the dead just like he did with that little girl. Then he ascended to heaven, and he said, someday I'm gonna come back, and I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and I am going to heal everything. There's not going to be any more sorrow. There's not going to be any more pain or disappointment or death. Jesus is going to reign as king forever. And Jesus is the source of all joy. He's the source of all happiness. He's the source of all goodness in the world. And so Jairus got a glimpse of what it is going to be like when Jesus is reigning as king, when everything has been made right again, and we get to enjoy Jesus forever. Because everybody who puts their faith in Jesus, he says he's going to come back and someday he is going to say, rise, 
just like he did with that little girl. That is Jesus's plan for his people. That is Jesus's better plan. And Jairus got to see that. But it wasn't until Jairus stopped trying to force Jesus into his plans and instead chose to follow Jesus that he got that plan. Jesus's plans are better for us. And so I wanna ask a question. Whose plans do you want to follow? Yours or Jesus's? I think it's a hard question to answer because Jesus says that his plan is better, but I don't know if I fully believe him. You know, I, I want what Jesus is offering. I want to be there in his kingdom. I want to live in a world where everything's been made right and I get to enjoy Jesus and his goodness forever. But like my plan still sounds pretty good. There's all sorts of things I don't want to give up to follow Jesus. You know, like, what about that relationship that I've just been waiting forever for? Or what about that job that I've spent my entire life working towards? Or what about those friendships that I've just been desperately trying to gain? Or what about my health? Like, what if those things aren't part of Jesus' plans for me? Is he still good? Is his plan still better? I can't answer those questions for you. But I do know that someday we are going to have to answer that question. It's an or question. Follow your plans or follow Jesus's. We can't follow both because at some point they are going to diverge. What you want for yourself and what Jesus wants for you are going to be different. And you're going to have to choose. And you might say, I don't know, man, there's something that I'm just not willing to give up. I, I want to choose my plans. And that's a choice. But if that's the option we go with, then we are going to miss Jesus. But if like Jairus, we see the goodness of Jesus and we choose to follow him, Jesus says that his plans are better for us. And so I wanna spend the rest of our time tonight talking about what it actually looks like to follow Jesus. Because I know some of us might be new and we might not know what we mean when we say that, but if we want to trust that Jesus' plan is better for us, if we want to gain what Jesus is offering, then we need to learn how to follow him like Jairus did. And so first, I think that following Jesus means that we consider Jesus in our plans. If we want what Jesus is offering, then we don't just wait for that later. We learn to live and follow Jesus in the day-to-day -day now. We consider Jesus when we're making plans for our life. And so maybe that means uh, you consider Jesus when you're looking for a relationship. You know, some of us are dating because we find people attractive or because we can't imagine not having somebody around to affirm our value. Uh, but maybe considering Jesus in dating means that you wait for somebody who's going to help you follow Jesus, who's just as excited about Jesus as you are and wants to help you follow him. Or maybe it means that you consider Jesus in your schedule. Maybe it means that you pull back from some of the clubs and the organizations that you're in so you can prioritize being here on a Tuesday night hearing Jesus' word, or you can be free to join a small group or a connection group or come to a Veritas study. Or maybe for some of you older students, it means considering Jesus when you go to figure out where you're gonna live and where you're gonna work. I have watched a lot of students over the years graduate and then move somewhere for a job with the full intention of following Jesus. It's like their number one goal. But then they get there and they realize that there's not a church for them. There's not somewhere that they can end up following Jesus. And so 
way sooner than they think is going to happen, they're not following Jesus anymore. And so maybe considering Jesus in your job means that you look for a job somewhere where there is a church full of people who are going to help you follow Jesus. If we want to follow Jesus, that's going to change how we live our lives. It's going to change how we make decisions. I think another thing that it's going to mean for us means trusting Jesus even when everyone around us isn't, even when others don't. Because following Jesus, it's not going to win you a popularity contest. I don't know if you've looked around a college campus, but uh, Jesus is not uh, the most popular way to live. Following Jesus is not the most popular way that we can live our lives. But if we trust that Jesus is good and that his plans are better for our life, then even if we are the only person in our fraternity house, or we are the only person in our family, or we're the only person on our dorm floor, or in our classes, or at our job who's following Jesus, we are still going to trust him, even when it means that we're making different decisions than other people. Even when, like Jairus' attendance, people are laughing at us. They're like, man, do you really believe that that's true? Yeah, I do. It's okay if you don't, but I'm going to keep trusting. I'm not going to be swayed by the fact that nobody else around me is because I trust that Jesus' plans are better for me. Lastly, I think following Jesus means trusting him, even when you can't see what he's up to. I think this is a lot of our stories here. I think a lot of us are trying to follow Jesus, but he is not giving us what we want. He is not doing what we think he should be. Kyle last week shared a bunch of stories of people who started following Jesus and whose lives were radically changed. I mean, like, they're genuinely such good stories of people being pulled out of depression, of people uh, finding their community, finding joy in Jesus. Those stories are amazing, and they give me hope that Jesus' promises are true and worth following. But I know that for every one of those stories, one of you has a story where you're still waiting where you don't know why Jesus has you going through what you're going through or why he hasn't given you that thing that you think is good, that you think is going to help you follow him, but he's just not giving it to you. People who are trying to follow Jesus, but then they end up in a breakup. Somebody who they thought they were gonna spend their entire life with says that they wanna move on. Or people who are dealing with depression. They're watching people get pulled out of depression, but they are still in the pits of it. Or you're trying to faithfully follow Jesus when you get the call from your parents that they're deciding to split up or that your friend has been diagnosed with cancer. All of those are stories that I know of in this room. And if I could just be like perfectly candid with you, it is entirely possible that you and I could meet up and you could tell me your story, you could describe what you're going through, and my response to you might be, I don't know. I have no clue why Jesus is letting you go through that. I have no clue why he's not taking that thing away or giving you that thing that you've been waiting so long for. I don't know. But just like Jairus had to learn, we need to learn that Jesus's goodness, his good plans, the fact that they are better for us, it's not dependent on what you and I can see. It's dependent on who Jesus is. It's dependent, on Jesus, it's dependent on Jesus being who he said he was and doing what he said he would do. And the Bible over and over and over again tells us that Jesus is faithful, that he keeps his promises, and that he is good. Jesus' promises are not dependent on what you and I can see right now in the moment. 
If that was the case, I probably would have stopped following Jesus a long time ago. Honestly, for the first couple years of me following Jesus, I was wrestling with an eating disorder. I was so unhappy with myself, with the way that I thought people perceived me. I just wanted it to be over. And I was watching Jesus do crazy things in other people's lives, and I was so jealous. But I had to learn that it wasn't that I needed to be taken out of that situation to know that Jesus was good, that Jesus was good despite all of that, because it wasn't dependent on what I could see. It was dependent on who he is. And the Bible is very clear that Jesus is good and worth trusting. So I want to ask that question one last time. Music team, you guys can come back up. Whose plans do you want to follow? Yours or Jesus's? Some of us have asked that question before. Maybe we came into the night thinking that we knew the answer. But then maybe we're realizing that there's something that we're holding on to that we don't want to give up. Maybe we're not quite ready to follow Jesus. Some of us are asking that question for the very first time tonight. And if that's you, I don't think it's an accident that you're here. I am so glad that you were here asking that question. Because I don't think that we're alone in asking that question. One of the coolest things about doing college ministry right now is when we look out over the nation... We see college students everywhere starting to ask that question, wrestling with whether they're just going to run in their lane and get what they want out of life or if they are going to follow Jesus. So Passion Music, uh, they're going to be here next week, which is so exciting. We are very grateful for the opportunity. But they started their tour uh, last week at an event called Unite Auburn. And 2,000 college students gathered to worship Jesus. 2,000 students in a room singing a lot like we did tonight. Some of the same songs, honestly. And they were hearing of Jesus' goodness through music and through teaching. And they responded because after that worship set was over, they didn't leave. In fact, one of them said, hey, I think I'm ready to answer that question. I want to follow Jesus and I want to be baptized. And that kind of started a chain reaction where multiple people were like, yeah, I think I want to get baptized too. And so all of a sudden, there's like this sea of people who are ready to be baptized, who want to publicly declare that Jesus is king in their life, that they are all in. And so they end up walking like a mile to this lake. It wasn't close. It wasn't an easy thing. Like they were committed to it. They're like, we're going to get baptized right now because we see Jesus' goodness. We trust in his plans and we want to commit to him. So I think we have some pictures of that. Here's a crowd of people, hundreds of students cheering these students on because they know that Jesus is good and they are celebrating that these students are committing to him. Next picture. Just keep them going. All of these students choosing to go all in on Jesus. Okay, stop on this one. This is my favorite one. This is a group of fraternity guys. The guy who's being baptized on the right there was the first one who said, yeah, I think I wanna be baptized. But then all of his buddies were like, all right, man, if you're all in on Jesus, like we've kind of been feeling it too, like we're all in too. So they all get baptized together. It is incredible. But this is not just happening out there. This is happening right here too. I think we have one more picture. That's Kyle. If you don't know him, he's a co-director here. And that's Izzy. She's a student here at Veritas. Hard for me not to get emotional looking at that picture. But this was just the other week out at the pond here. Izzy's a student who, just like you, had questions for Jesus, just like you, had hopes and, and plans for her life that she knew that she maybe was going to have to let go of if she started following Jesus. 
But she started coming around to Veritas. She started to get to know people and she tasted of Jesus's goodness and said, I'm all in. I want people to know it. I am all in on Jesus. No matter what that means for my life, no matter what I have to give up, I want to commit to Jesus. So what's holding you back from committing to Jesus? From going all in? Is it questions you have? Is it a thing that you're holding on to that you just can't imagine giving up? I don't know what it is for you, but the good news is you don't have to have it all figured out. You can take it step by step. Maybe this is the first time you've ever thought about this. And so maybe your step is just coming back next week to hear more about Jesus. Maybe you've been with us all semester and it's time that you commit to coming to Camp Veritas with us. Come spend a weekend getting to know other people who are trying to follow Jesus, who can encourage you as you start to wonder more and more what it would look like for you to follow Jesus in your life. I don't know what it is that's holding you back from following Jesus, but I do know that he is good. I do know that his plans are better for our lives. And I know from personal experience of, of 10 years now of following Jesus, that even in the midst of all of my questions, even in the midst of having things that I don't wanna give up that Jesus is asking me that are not part of his plans for me, I know that he is good. So let me pray for us that you would know that too. Jesus, we are so just thankful that you did not just leave us to sit in our brokenness, but you came to us as a man. You looked people in the face and you called them daughters so that they would know that you were good. And then you went to the cross and you died for them. And then you rose again and you promised to come back someday. Jesus, that is a plan better than anything than any of us could imagine. I know it's not easy to commit to, but Jesus, your word tells us over and over and over again that you are good. And so Jesus, I don't know what is holding the people in this room back from following you. Maybe we're not going to solve it tonight, but I ask that they would just take one step. Maybe it's a small step. Maybe it's a really big step. Maybe they're ready to be baptized. I don't know, Jesus, but I do know that you are working powerfully in the lives of college students, that you are worth everything that it costs to follow you and that you love us enough that you're not asking us to give up something that we are not going to get better in return, Jesus. You are our better return. We love you. In your name we pray.